You're listening to the Counting Lights Podcast with Chris Dubinay and Dan Danzy. Counting Lights Podcast, where comedy and wrestling lock up. And here we are again for the Counting Lights Podcast. Guys. Bam! That's my <laughs> Welcome trademark. back, guys. Hey, thanks, everybody, for your support. God, we so appreciate it. Uh, we've had some... Uh, We've had some good numbers, man. Good numbers, great episodes, good times, man. We, we've been doing this. Uh, we've been doing this for a month, and we're in the thousands. Yeah, of downloads. That's crazy. It's pretty awesome. Still crazy, and still going up too. So let's. Uh, and we have a live event Saturday. So this is tell it. Them about it, Dan. This is it. <laughs> uh, freaking Counting Lights Podcast presents Brawl for It All Two. Uh, uh, at Oak Highlands Brewery in Dallas. Go to the website, Oak Highlands Brewery, uh, Oak Highlands Brewery website. Get your tickets pre Kindle. <laughs> Oak Highlands Brewery. Oak Highlands Brewery. On brewery. the four- 14th of November. I'm having problems saying bre- brewery. Brewery? Yeah, and I'm the one drinking over here. Yeah, I stopped drinking. Anyway. We uh we got we got some uh, we got some tailgating spots left. We got some tables left. Yeah, man, get your tickets. Listen, there's plenty of uh, general admission, but if you would like to uh, be socially distant, mm-hmm. and listen, everything's social distance. It's outside. It's in a perfect venue for you to uh, only group with your. Uh, family or the group that you prefer to be with but you can bring still, your enemies too you throw, can still, throw in a wild card there you can still buy a table <laughs> you can still buy a table at uh the uh you know or you can get a parking space to get tailgate. a parking space yeah get a parking space actually pull your truck in and tailgate out of your back, the back of your pickup and uh but there's tables ready go to oconsbury.com and if you want to if you want to hear the card you can go back to one of our previous episodes silly rabid with nigel rabid uh he given us the card we got a 20 man battle royal the first ever oak highlands brewery cup yep we'll put the winner on the cup there will be a big trophy on display at ohb we've got uh, uh wwe alumni rodney mac main eventing the red dog the red dog and we and and it's Mr. Wobble's last match. Mr. Wobble he will be making an announcement. He did. So I saw that on Facebook. I think he's getting an opportunity in the uh, another opportunity in the entertainment industry. Yeah, um, it's good for cool. him. You know, uh, you know the reason why he's Mr. Wobble, right? No, go ahead and explain it for our so listeners. I he do. Actually, invented the wobble dance, which I can't do. And, and <laughs> I, can't do it because I've never seen it. So you've never seen it. I saw, I saw him do it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you've never seen. But people I've never do seen it a the... video or yeah, people yeah. doing the wobble dance. But he invented the wobble dance, put it online, and then ended up going on tour with this whoever recorded the wobble dance, whoever that is. I don't. I do not know the the, the rapper's name either. So apparently Dan's not into rap, and neither am I. We, so. but we love meatloaf apparently too. <laughs> That's fucking you embarrassing. Know. Okay, but <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, yeah, so he's an entertainer, entertainer at heart, but mm-hmm. hell of a wrestler, and we love to have him. Uh, Wobble's going to be there. We're going to have some. We're going to tag team action. Action. Uh, we've got a tag team match. We've got uh, we've got the lady wrestlers there. Mm-hmm. And, and, a big, uh, awesome, awesome women's match. Again, to 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 hear the card, uh, uh, go to the silly rabid episode. It's it's our highest rated episode. Oh, awesome! Uh, and I think that's because uh, Nigel. Is uh, is British? I think that's what well, he's very, everyone he's very loves. A British about accent. The wrestling business and quite the audit terror. 
Mm-hmm. And is, that he's, a, is, that a, is that a word? And he's very, Auditor? Audit, I, I don't know. Speaker. He's, speaker. He's also really good at uh, roasting people, too. He's uh, <laughs> he's also roasting. Oh, yeah, he was roasting me in that episode. Oh, well, that's I, I went home and cried a, a little a, bit. He's a worker, and you know that's the way we do it. So. Oh yeah, no, that whole episode was just like two workers making fun of some wrestling fans right <laughs> in front of them. That's actually true. That's we do enjoy doing that. Yeah, I, I can't wait for more guests we have on the show. <laughs> so uh, upcoming guest, uh, yeah. So uh, I've I've confirmed. Uh, we just did our first uh, Zoom. Yeah, with Wes Corwin. With Wes Corwin. That's going to be exciting, uh, an exciting episode. And then uh, I've got confirmed from uh, Howard Brody, who was the— Which, that's crazy. Who uh, was a, is the a former uh, NWA president, president yeah. of the NWA, and actually helped co-write Dusty Rhodes' autobiography. No, so we uh, we've got him confirmed. We're going to do a uh, Zoom hopefully and in the next I, couple of weeks with him. A couple episodes ago, you told the story about your your tag team partner Kit Carson wanting to drop the NWA tag team belts to Mula and May Young at a WWF. Did tell you that story. I don't know if they called Howard about that or not. So we'll find. We're going to have him on the show because we'll I want find him out. We'll find for, out. First of all, it'll be a live reaction. If he doesn't know the story, it'll be a live reaction. Oh, yes. he will. If he doesn't know about it, he will think. And I, I really want to. He'll either wanna, be mortified or he'll think it's hilarious. And I want to know what if, if, if we were back in those days, if, if he heard about what he would do. What he would do if they if Michael Hayes actually called him about it. There you go. That's a good I can't wait to ask him. Oh, I can't. Myself. Oh, I've got so many and, questions and about your probably, career. Chris. And I know he probably has endless stories about Dusty Rhodes. Oh, yeah. Because they spent. About a year together writing that book. Yeah. Oh, also, got to give you some. Uh, uh, a couple of my friends wanted to tell you, Chris, that you have one of the most spot on Dusty Rhodes impressions. Really? Yeah. That was pretty crappy. No, no. It, I mean, these are coming from people that can't do one. Like, I, I can kind of do it, baby. But yours was. Funky like a monkey if you wheel. But no, that'll be exciting. Uh, we, we do other ones too. We also have a, 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 the uh, the offspring of uh, legendary uh, wrestling mentor, wrestling uh, just wrestler in general, Gary Hart. So yeah, like I, I, uh, I that's I just, in the works. I just told Dan that I, I texted back and forth. Uh, uh, Gary Hart was my mentor, taught me so much about the wrestling business, and I was trained by gentleman Chris Adams who was also mentored by mm-hmm. Gary Hart and managed Chris, uh, he managed Chris Adams for a while and really turned his career around, uh, you know, from uh, helping win the world title. So um, Gary was really important in my life, and, and I really kind of, even though I was older, I felt like uh, his sons, Chad and, and Jason, were like my little brothers. Yeah. And we traveled around together. We all traveled together and uh, we did endless amounts of match. I worked at the Sportatorium with him and kind of helped. I felt like I kind of helped bring Chad along and teach him a lot about the wrestling business. Like Gary taught me. And at the same time that, I, that Chad was learning from me, I was learning from his dad. And they were been very important to me, and they're just like little brothers. And um, and when Gary passed, it it was really tough for all of us, and we kind of just. What did he? Uh, what did he pass away from? Was it uh, just a Gary? Ha- I'm, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Gary had a had a 
a massive heart attack mm. and he was 66 and you know it's it's really tough in the wrestling business because you know unlike uh, uh, us you know corporate humps that work a regular job we have well we always have health insurance mm-hmm. and the wrestling business like unless you're making a shit ton of money you just kind of don't take care of yourself yeah like Gary was a he, uh, you know, at sixty six. That's when bad and shit happens. Yeah, and know? that's not like not taking care of yourself. It's not like you know you see something and you don't you don't do anything about but it. It's just like you're, you're in good shape. You're you're working the adrenaline off wrestling. You're going from show to show. Well, two, you're living your life. Like too, like you know, you don't see it. You don't. You, you don't, don't see shit you coming. Don't, you don't do preventative maintenance. Yeah. Like well, I'm lucky enough that I know that I have areas in my life that probably could be better and so i try and keep ahead of everything you know heart disease in my family things Mm -hmm. like that so i try and stay ahead of it but if you don't have health insurance you don't think about it yeah and so uh anyway regardless when when gary passed away it was tough for us and and like i just miss these guys so much and i think about them all the time and uh Chad sent me an old match between he and I, and I watched it, and it brought about so much. I kind of got a little choked up about it, mm-hmm. and I just and saw I, some of it. It I was just, really good. I texted him. I said, "Man, listen, I know, and I know he. I was like, man, I know you really don't like to do this stuff, but I really would love to have you and Jason on my podcast." So, um, they he texted me back and said that would be great it would be fun I'm hell yeah it. so i'm really excited i don't feel like i should even be in the room you, you know what honest to god <laughs> i'm just hoping i don't when they come in here i'm just hoping i don't cry really yeah because it's like it's like it's like my little brother said i don't get to see all the time yeah it's hard for me you're about to break down yeah, right I now i miss them you want you want I don't know you want I mean, a cup no, of coffee? I'm fine. I'm you fine. good? I'm fine. You want I a do, hug? I, I do. I miss them. You know, it's like these guys in the business. You spend so much time around, and then one day it's over. Yeah, and you just don't see them anymore. And and it's the same thing with comedy. I tell new comics all we'll the time. Take a drink of my go Miller ahead. Light. Drink your Miller Light. Drink your Miller Light. Uh, but but that's something in comedy as well. I've seen so many people come and go. They either yeah. move, they die. Yeah, and you've you know you've lost you lost a guy this year. Yeah, I did, and I didn't. So you know it's like, but to to think that these that uh, that one day we're gonna have Jason and Chad Hart in the studio. Yeah, and they're gonna talk about our time together and the time with their dad and tell some stories about their dad. That's exciting. Like, yeah. I, I mean, that's no. You guys are really you guys are really in for a treat. What we got what we've got coming up. It's gonna be some pretty cool stuff today. Today, though, um, we've got we've got a show coming up. You nervous? You nervous about it? We've been no. I'm you're you're I'm fine. Nervous. I'm nervous about it. Okay. I mean, this is like the first thing I've been involved in as far as wrestling events go. You're excited about? I'm it. I'm showing up. I'm gonna help set up the ring. I don't know what I can lift. So 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 Dan and I were discussing this with the with the microphones off, and we should never Dan and I should never talk without having the microphones. Off. That's true. So um, we for the O'Connell Brewery Brewery show uh, on on Saturday on this coming Saturday, November fourteenth, we. We're, I mean, everything is going to be, this is going to be your first show to see it from the, like the bottom, an empty parking lot to turning it into a huge venue mm-hmm. for pro wrestling an entrance, everything you're going to get to see. And then you're going to see the entire show from start to finish and be involved in it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, it's exciting to you. 
I mean, this is definitely not like a comedy show. Right. Comedy show, you show up with a PA system, a microphone. It's the difference between putting an Ikea table together mm -hmm. or putting a Rolex together. Mm -hmm. Literally, it's just all the cogs have to fall in the right place. What is the hardest part about setting up a wrestling ring? Well, it's not, it's not, it's not. not. You mentioned to me like off, off, off recording to bring gloves. Well, you, you, well. Because of splinters and stuff. I mean, you know, you're basically a ring is four ring posts and side braces and two by tens. Yeah. And so, you know, you got to carry 16 foot two by tens, mm-hmm. you know, uh, from a trailer to where we're going to put the ring. I mean, listen, it's not overly complicated. It, I mean, but when you see one, it does to, look complicated. Well, I know, but you're going to see it. And, and if, if it's not done right, there can be problems. Mm. But, I mean, I worked in a traveling ring for the Sportatorium that was not even metal sides. Like, the ring posts were metal. Yeah. But the sides were were wooden two-by-tens. Yeah. And so, like, that was kind of basically a full... Uh, and, and there were no center braces. There were two center braces, and that's it. So, it, this ring that we're putting... That we're going to have for the Ocon's Brewery Show is... You know, a fully welded, like complicated, you got to put together correctly. Yeah. But the, you know, the Sportatorium traveling ring, and it was a great ring. You know, it wasn't too hard. It wasn't too, uh, uh, um, it didn't bounce too much. It was, it was a great ring, but it was all made out of wood except for the four Mm. posts. You know what I'm saying? So it like, hurt. It was oh, well, no, but it was old school. Old school. Like you could almost feel the people that had been in the ring when you put it together. You could sm- still smell them. This is yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. This is going to be Dan's first. Uh, this Dan is actually next Saturday, November 14th, for our show at O'Connell's Brewery. Is actually going to start paying dues. Oh boy. So oh boy. he's going to be putting a ring together. He's going to be setting end up of the night barricades. End, end of the night. I want to learn how to take a bump. When everybody's gone? Well, we could do that after we set the ring up. How's after that? we set the ring yeah. up? Okay, let's... I'll show you how to take a I was gonna, I was going to do it after. That way I can enjoy the wrestling show and no, then hurt myself. you might be a little myself. sore for the wrestling show. No, then I hurt myself. I'm not going to do... Like, we'll, we'll start slow. I'll show I'll show you the starts of taking a bump, man. It's okay. Gonna, uh, I'm really like... My anxiety is kicking in right now. I know I'm going to hurt myself. be excited about it, no. I'm not excited. I'm not. I'm gonna, not excited I'm not about let hurting you get, myself. I'm not, I'm not gonna let you get hurt, Dan. I can't do the computer. Okay, that's true. You you need my fingers. <laughs> I need you. I need you to, to to do this podcast with me because I can't do all the stuff I need to on the you, computer. You uh, who was the the who was the safest person you've ever worked with? Like you're gonna get in the ring because I know I've asked you who was like I think I've asked you before like who was the stiffest or who was like one person you went oh god I got to do a match with him but who was like you got to do a match with this person, and you're like, oh, fuck yes. Like, 100% comfortable, like... Well, you get used to, especially when you do a program with somebody, like like I wrestled uh, I wrestled Chad Hart for a long time. I yeah. wrestled, uh, like, Kit Carson and I, as a tag team, were always... We knew what each other was thinking before we said anything. That, like I could just look at Kit, and Kit knew what he was needed to do next. That chemistry. Yeah, yeah like we knew when we got in the ring, especially if we got in the ring with somebody that we didn't know, that we hadn't wrestled them before, and maybe they were going to try and uh, 
get a one up on us. We just look at each other. And <laughs> we that's, knew exactly that's, what to do. That's also in comedy. There are some people that I can work with on a show, and whether they're featuring for me or I'm featuring for them, right. I know what. Like, let's say I'm featuring for for one of my friends, like Slade Ham, for example, was one of my right. mentors. I know what jokes I can use to kind of just set up Slade's set. Gotcha. Like, oh, I can tell I can tell this joke because Slade kind of goes more into this. And I'm just using Slade as an example, right. but Slade goes into this topic a little bit more. So I'll tease this topic with my one little one-liner right gotcha. here. And it, you get that chemistry in comedy, too. And I don't think most people, most comics realize that. When you start working with people over and over and over again throughout the years, right. you kind of you know their set. And you know not only their set, but their sense of humor. Very and I think that's, simil- and that's wrestling, too. To wrestling you know how they man. move. You know how they work. You know what spots they call. Like and when I when I got in, like when I when I broke into the wrestling business at the Sportatorium with uh, with Chris Adams and his you know crew there, um, I was very lucky to come in and have somebody like Chris to go to the other workers that I was going to work that day and go, he's a good hand, yeah, like give him a chance, like don't you know. Um, when I, my very first match on television was me, myself, Billy Joe Travis versus Sweet Daddy Falcone and Brickhouse Brown. All of those names, by the way, uh-huh. sound like 70s singers, like 70s country music singers. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought you were going to like Sly and the Family Stone. No. Uh, <laughs> so, 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 okay, Billy Joe Travis was a baby face at the time, and he was yet to turn heel, and he was very popular. And these two other guys were coming in, Sweet Daddy Falcone and Brickhouse Brown were that's coming in. That's a good in. name, Sweet Daddy Falcone. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a dope fucking name. So uh, they were coming in as heels, and they yeah. were going to push him a little bit. And so I was lucky enough to be paired with, and of course I was there to do the job, but it's my first time on TV. Mm-hmm. And I knew that they were putting me with Billy Joe Travis to give me a little gratis. You know, they were putting me in a match with him to say, hey, th- these people had never seen me before. He people looks good. People at the Sportatorium had never seen me before. They didn't know what kind of a work or worker I was. And I was there to take the heat and do the finish. Make the hot tag. Billy Joe's can get some. Mm-hmm. But, but at, you know, he's going to get a comeback, and then I was going to do the finish for him. But it gave me some gratis to say, hey, they teamed him with an established well-known guy. Yeah. And even though I did the job from that point forward, people kind of looked at me a little differently than the guys they brought in just to do jobs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was lucky enough to like, uh, I did the finish and they got the one, two, three on me and, uh, I sold and they exited and did an interview and Billy Joe Travis came over and picked me up and stood in front of the crowd and raised my hand. And the crowd cheered, which meant they they were automatically going to give me more gratis than mm-hmm. they would these other guys who were coming in and do jobs. Because you're over at that yeah, point. Yeah, at least I was a little over. I had an established, you know, guy who'd been in the business for seven, eight years that was that they were giving a good push to, and and he was giving me his approval, and so it meant something. Mm-hmm. 
And then uh, the next next week or the week after, I got to wrestle uh, a guy who's an unbelievable, was an unbelievable ring technician, uh, Gorgeous Gary Young. Okay. And Gary had been in the business for about 10 years. And so this was 1990. He'd been in the business for about 10 years and was had wrestled in the UWF and in California and all the territories. He was a good worker. Yeah. And he was in a um he was in an angle with Kevin Von Erich and had a big match coming up for Kevin Von Erich. So Gary comes and sits next to me in the like the sportatorium was divided up at the time by two rooms. Yeah. Two rooms, and then they had a far back room, and then offices. So at any time, guys would be dressing or talking to each other or doing finishes um, with, you know, in those areas. And uh, he and there was one area that all the all us job guys would get dressed in, and we called it the jobbers room. And we would all come in. And that's where we would go to get dressed. So. He came and came into the job guy's dressing room and sat next to me and he goes, okay, kid, what can you do? (laughs) And listen, I'd never met this guy before. Yeah. But I'm sure Chris went to him and said, listen, he's a good worker. He can, you know, he can do it, you know. So he sits next to me and he goes, all right, kid, what you can, what can you do? Now I thought he was asking me a serious question. I started telling him what I could do. (laughs) And Gary looked at me and goes, Shut up, kid. I'll call the match. Uh, he set me up. Because veterans, yeah, veterans the, call the match. One of the greatest fucking rivers in the business, too, man. Just a great worker. Gary ended up teaching me so much. He actually went to Chris and said, hey, start putting me on spot shows with that kid. Like, let's do spot shows. Start putting me, I'll, I'll, I'll heal. And he put it. It's me and matches with that kid, and he can babyface, and we'll and I'll teach him some shit. Gary taught me so much to the point where at one point Gary turned babyface, hmm. and I immediately became a heel on every fucking show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and Gary was Gary Gary Young was the first guy to come to me and go. So uh, what do you want to do tonight? As a rookie. In the wrestling business. You're making work. sure it's not another rib. No, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, he's uh, like, what do you want to do? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, I'm not calling the match. You're yeah. calling the match tonight. I go, what do you mean? He goes, we get out there? I'm doing what you tell me to do. And that's the Don't end. expect me. Like, I'll, we'll figure out a finish, but don't expect me to call this match. And for people not familiar, that's very pretty much like you, you're writing the match. Yeah, you're, like, if you had to put it on paper. You're basically, uh, you are structuring a storyline mm-hmm. you're structuring okay and we've talked to i've said it a hundred times you know a shine heat comeback finish mm-hmm. okay that's basic that's the basic match and he's telling me okay you gotta shine me enough i gotta sh- as he's babyface i gotta shine him enough to let these people know that he, what he can do yeah then when i get the heat i gotta figure out a way to go into that heat and then I got to do enough heat to for the crowd to be sympathetic to him and to want to cheer for him. However, I need to give him enough that he's not dying. Yeah. 
that he's still there, that he can make, give him a short comeback in the middle of the heat yeah. to make the crowd pop a little bit, to make them mad at me more. And when he starts to make a short comeback, then they're going to pop. Yeah. And then figure out what you're going to do to go in the so finish. How did it go? Oh, it was fucking, it was great. It was he good. taught me so much. I mean, literally, I just literally stole every fucking thing that he used to do to me mm-hmm. and I do it to him. Yeah, you just, you know like, what I'm saying? I just <laughs> fucking stole everything. And he knew the spots. So it I, was, heard, I heard Randy Savage uh, didn't like didn't like calling it in the ring. He would write it down. He would like write down. But so Steamboat shares a story that classic match they have. Okay, where Randy shows up to hit with to him the night before with just this these pages, these pages of all the spots. He's like, Will you memorize this. <laughs> and to me, that's fu- like your way of doing it. That way, the, the is. Right. That seems like the normal. Well, I had it in my head, like I was yeah. fucking sweating it when I was thinking. Like of if it. I was a wrestler, I would do it your way. But I've never to went memorize to, fucking but I never pages. Went, yeah, no, like I never went to Gary and said, "Hey, uh, hey, we're gonna do this or we're gonna do this." Now, if we had a little special spot, yeah, you know, okay, like hey, I want to do this during the match. Like I'll call it, but watch for it when I call it. So how do run it? How, but like so onto that, how do like special things like. How do run-ins work? Okay, so so like because you're doing you're calling the match to each other. Yeah, but the point is, is that that's that's you're that's really not a match. That's yeah. an angle. That's an angle. Yeah, so you're creating an angle. So how do, how does in the point of calling the match, how does the angle open up? You know what I mean? Like, how do you know when someone's going to come run in? So, how do you know when that angle starts? So so I know I'm I'm asking you to give away secrets. That's okay. No, like let me explain to you what an angle is. Okay. An angle is a direction. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that that makes sense. Take a right turn, it's a direction. Mm -hmm. So it's a angle that you're doing between, let's say, you and I. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're the baby face, I'm the heel. I do something to make you upset with me, and that's the reason that you want to kill me and that and that in turn makes the crowd want to kill me by the way i appreciate the fact that you think people love me go ahead okay so (laughs) but the but but an angle is set up an angle is set up to continue a story and to draw the crowd in so that they want to see a conclusion of the angle Mm -hmm. guess what you never give them what they want yeah till the blow off okay so there's a point that you're doing an angle so let me give you an example um, okay, Dusty Rhodes versus Barry Windham. Great match. Okay, so Barry Windham is uh, Barry Windham is Dusty's student. He's his protege. He is his uh, he is he is the next generation, if you will. You know, <laughs> like, he's, like he's like he's brought him up through the business, and everybody knows that. Because everybody is rooting for Barry Windham. But when Barry Windham turns his back on Dusty Rhodes, then guess what? There's nothing uh, There's nothing worse than not being appreciative of what people have given you. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, now we have an angle. Now we got a direction that two, got, two wrestlers are going for, okay, to set up something that maybe, like, like when Chris... Adams turned heel and teamed up at the time. Gary Hart was his manager. He was a baby face. Gary was like, I'm just trying to give the boy what he needs. I'm just trying, you know, <laughs> Gary was a real character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would say, 
me tell you something, my boy. I'm just giving him what he needs mm-hmm. so he can become all he can be. I'm not trying, like he was a baby face, and, and Gary had never managed a baby face before. Yeah. And so people were suspicious. And then when, when Chris Adams turned his back on the Von Erics and became a full-out heel and teamed up with Gina Hernandez and they became the dynamic duo, mm. now he's turned his back on the Von Erics and they're, they're, they're ready to get revenge, right? Yeah. Like it turned the corner. Like it made him important like the Freebird angle. It was probably in world class, Probably the second biggest angle that ever was. Yeah. Was Gino Hernandez and Chris Adams, which Chris was supposed to be. They brought him in for England. And he immediately took to the Von Ericks as a best friend. You could, like, he would be there if they needed him. And they, and Kim and Kevin would tag team together. Well, now him and Kevin are fighting each other. Mm-hmm. And now they have, a, they, there's a grudge. That is an angle, it's a direction. And Chris used to tell me, when they went into an angle like that, they knew they were good for one year. They could drag that angle out for one year and be. Because that's like the limit, you know. Well, anything, like, anything past a year really, carries on. Nah, no, I mean, you know, look at the free bird angle. Yeah. Like it, that's like for real, like that's kind of when it started to wane a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's when it starts to wane. You can drag it out a little bit and, there, and you could, you got different directions you can to go with an angle like that. And. You know what brought a stop to the to him and Gino is Gino died, mm. and so but they knew when they started an angle like that, especially with a you know hometown heroes like the Von Erics were. Chris would say, "I'm good for a year." This angle's now when he started the angle with Chris Adams, the same thing, student versus teacher, right? Good for a year, right? Yeah. Good for a year, and. They were involved in telling their entire story, whether the Booker was involved, when the Booker was involved, but they were involved in telling that entire story. Like Chris Adams worked for Jerry Jarrett, but he was in charge of taking care of that angle with him and Chris, with him and Steve Austin. Yeah. So an angle gives you a direction to go that you can continue telling a story over a period of time till you get to the point where it's run its course and maybe it's not drawn as good as it used to. And you do a blow off, mm-hmm. but usually the blow off is the top point. You know yeah. The saying? blow off right. is the, is, is the biggest moment. Right. You know? Yeah. So, and then you, you regroup and wipe the dust off your hands Start and go to the one. next thing. What's yeah. next, you know? And maybe you can go from that one angle, do the blow off and go right into another angle with somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do it correctly, there's a lot of them in wrestling where like somebody gets involved in another group, uh, another uh, so like a heel and a face, and then the heel faces the face since they're like last match, and then someone gets involved, another heel screws the face over, and then that starts a new angle. So great angle, great one of the great angles and one of the great feuds, Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat. Oh, absolutely. And then, if you look at it again, Ricky Steamboat and Macho Man Randy Savage. God, that match! All written down on paper. Well, here's the deal. You know who, you know who used to, who else used to be real big on it? Who? Diamond Dallas Page. Really? Get a legal pad. 
Really? <laughs> right. That's, that's what I heard. I mean, I never fucking saw it, but that's what I was. I hear. mean, that dude. It's amazing to me. Diamond Dallas Page has always been amazing to me to start your wrestling career at like 33, 34, something like that. I think he was almost 35. Yeah. Well, like he got into he was managing. A, yeah. He managed. He was a manager. He came from, from like the, you know, the uh, nightclub industry. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, he's probably a little bit of a performer anyway. Mm-hmm. And just kind of fell into like being perfect for the there's wrestling a, business. There was a WrestleMania where he's drive like uh, there's an entrance. I forget whose entrance it was, but they're being escorted down in a car. And Diamond Dallas Page is actually the driver of the car. Yes. Uh, you know what it, what it is? What if is I'm it? not mistaken, is WrestleMania and it's 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 a it, honky tonk man. It, yeah. Peggy Sue. Who was Sherry Martel? Yeah, and I believe if I'm not mistaken, it's Diamond Dallas Page right, driving, driving the car, down and he wasn't, and, and that was a, an event that, like, he got involved in in, in the he got in the wrestling business in Atlanta. How he made it to a WWF show, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm almost positive that's who it was. Well, I think he was friends with. Uh, with Nash and Hall, I think they were, they met at a gym or something, and he was friends. Or they yeah, and I the think they came club. in the club. You know, they were all like, like bouncers or mm-hmm. you know managers of uh, the. Um, and then he knew he knew uh, Raven before they had their classic WCW. Probably feud. That, that that sounds rough for me. You'll like this I, if I'm not mistaken. I think that Don Dallas Page is half Jewish. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah but his real name's Page uh, Valkenberg. Ah, Page yeah. Page and I, <laughs> I get so lost on Jewish names now. I don't even know my. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know. To, uh, yeah, who would have known there would have been a podcast with a guy, a guy who's half Jewish and a guy whose last name is Germany? Right. Oh, we're we're breaking we're breaking new ground here. <laughs> Decades after the time. Actually, I didn't. I didn't uh, and find out. The lion out. lays down with the lamb. I didn't. I didn't find out uh, of my Jewish descent until twenty. Uh, my grandmother broke it to me. In just like casual conversation, too. Oh, by the way, we're uh, Jewish. Uh, no, see, that's the thing. We've always had like the kind of accent I have now. Which is it's, what? It's kind of Texan, but kind of not. Uh, it's like I lived. You can tell I I was born in Texas, well, but you I lived have somewhere else. A little else. bit of a Midwestern accent. Yeah, I like lived in the lack of an accent. I lived in. I I was born in Texas, but I lived in Chicago uh, for a good period in my my early days, and then came back to Texas. Gotcha. But my grandmother, when she when they moved uh, to Southeast Texas, they kept that part of the family history secret because apparently it was a big anti-Semitic community well, at the, the time. The, well, um, uh, you know, surprise, uh, surprise, on <laughs> Southeast That's Texas, right there, Central Texas, and uh, and like Central Texas, Austin, New Bronzeville's mm-hmm. was New Bronzeville's was actually the largest. German settlement in the United States at yeah. that point. So that's, that's in, fa- in fact, there's arguments to it, but people say that that is where a lot of the smoking of meats, like the Texas barbecue, came from the German descendants who, that's how they preserved their meat, was smoking it. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, back in World War II, they kind of took it too far. So there you go. <laughs> people make mistakes. <laughs> Woo! Woo! This went off the rails. Okay. Uh, Bill Hicks, I keep thinking going back to that Bill yeah, Hicks thing. Yeah, that, that Hitler infamous, had the right idea. Just, yeah. He was just an underachiever. 
Oh, that breakdown. That's that's another episode, the uh, the comedy challenge. Go back to the <laughs> go, comedy challenge. So go listen to it. We're not hilarious. trying to cancel our own podcast right now. <laughs> this is just referring to uh, Listen, you can't previous cancel episode. somebody who's never been there, all right? That's true. You can't cancel us because we're, we're, we're done. <laughs> a couple of here. <laughs> we're just cut, yeah, Talking we're just into a, a microphone full. in an empty room. But look how Diamond Dallas Page is just like, re- not reinventing himself, but kept himself relevant. With the DDP yoga. He can still, he's like in his 60s. He had an AEW match. He was in an <laughs> AEW tag match. He, well, he was? He was. When did that happen? Oh, like uh, eight, nine months back before the pandemic. Well, I'll Not say Not nine months this, back, like maybe a year like back. He's just got to drive, man. I don't know, he Keeps man. himself fit. And, uh, I mean, I've tried. His yoga works, apparently. I have, I have tried it, but I've never stuck with it. Really? Yeah, like well, I've got the DVDs at the house, but you gotta let me borrow. Like those. I got, well, I got like I gotta. Uh, uh, I'm gonna have an extra set. I might give you. Um, really, well, you're just not gonna get back into it. Well, like, that's know. what they say about DDP yoga. Try it out and then give it to people. No, that's what he says at the end of the commercial. <laughs> oh, not like funny. stick with it or anything. Just let a friend borrow it. I just like. Um, <laughs> Like, you know, why did you get off of it? I, I, I didn't stick. I never. Here's my real problem. Go ahead. And We're really breaking it down right you're now. You're breaking it down right now. I am a I'm a six foot two. OK. 300 plus pound man. I'm just hearing excuses. Okay, So here. Oh, I'll stop. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to find a yoga mat that fits a guy my size? I'm not. I'm not familiar. No. Okay. So, See, I'm just lazy. It's okay if you're lazy, Chris. Well, I, I'm getting to the second part. Okay. But in addition, like, like I can, I have to make a choice. Okay. I can come home and do DDP yoga, or, or, well, start cutting into my beer drinking time. I'll be honest with you. See, this is the second time you've mentioned something cutting into your beer drinking time. I think we we were playing, we were talking about video games well, well, in an you, earlier episode. Like oh, it was cutting into my beer drinking time. Everybody has to have fucking priorities. I mean, why is beer drinking your priority? <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to see how you got out of the wrestling business. <laughs> no, fucking, that kept me in the wrestling. Uh, <laughs> until it did, it was cutting into my drinking time. I can't wrestle. Cuts into my drinking time. Uh, I can't go wrestle. Cutting into my beer drinking time. <laughs> You gotta let me borrow those DVDs because I gotta get in shape. Well, I need to. I need to. I need to. I need to be a little bit more focused about my uh, physical appearance too. You know, when this COVID thing finally settles down, let's go. Let's go be gym buddies. I tell you what, man. Let's I, let's I would, motivate I would, each I would, other. I would. I would love to do that. I would love to do that. Make me less. We're about. We're <laughs> definitely two different uh, points of the spectrum. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you I'm put little, it like that. I'm a little oversized and probably can throw up a bunch of weight. Yeah, and, uh, I'm a Stranger Things kid. <laughs> like that's what. Uh, yeah, I. I need to start looking because I'm married. You know, and I'm, I'm. I look at her and I'm like, man, if a burglar breaks in here, we're fucked. Like we are so <laughs> screwed right now. Like, what am I gonna do? The dog's not gonna do anything. We've. We've we've finally decided that you know if a burglar breaks in, the dog is just going to be like, okay, I'll wait. Whoever wins, that's my yeah, owner. No shit, I'll go you with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take me with you. You're you killed my owner. Here, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like, I I really got I really got to do something about this. I understand. And this has just been laziness and lack that's of. A, listen, I haven't wanted to do shit this year. I mean, it's it's like, the year about, not to do we shit. Talked about it with with, and, and I know people. Mm-hmm. 
I don't hang out with them. Oh, no. But I ha- I know people yeah. that got motiv- motivated during this pandemic. I don't know how. They were like, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to use this time to get in shape and focus on my Have diet. Have you ever met one of these people that they, did, they, they hate doing nothing? Can you imagine that? <laughs> like that I'm isn't a, that the weirdest fucking thing? I'm a very busy man, but I like my downtime. Yeah. You know? uh, I mean, between... Planning wrestling shows and trying to get on stage. Oh, by the way, um, uh, so we've got the Oak Collins Brewery on the 14th. Oh, you have some stand-up dates coming up, don't I you? have. I, I actually, on the 13th, I'll be at the Red Room at Hyenas in uh, Fort Worth. So this episode's going to air uh, that day, so tonight, basically. Oh, cool, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is, is going to be a Friday episode. Tonight, Chris is in the Red Room at Hyenas Fort Worth. So if you're listening to this right now, and it's morning or afternoon, and you live in DFW, go to Hyenas Fort Worth, Red Room. Chris is performing tonight. I will not be there. I will be at home uh, with my asthma and my weak frame. (laughs) (laughs) Watching uh, uh, probably Mandalorian. I'm probably watching Mandalorian. No, I'm doing my my Nerd Alert podcast uh, on Twitch. But go see Chris at Hyenas Fort Worth Red Room tonight because of the episode. The 13th of November. 13th of November. So if you're listening to this right now, and if, that's where this is. If you is can't at. come see me, uh, text me and tell me good luck. Yeah. Or, or break a leg or whatever. Send him a Facebook message. He does not have Twitter. So don't send him. <laughs> I do have Twitter. You, do, you have Twitter? Yeah, just don't look at it. You never retweet the Counting Lights bullshit. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't fucking get Twitter. Because you don't know what like, the retweet just, button like, is. Don't fucking get it. Fucking hell. All right. I don't, like here, that's that little bird, right? That's the bird. Yeah, that's, and then when you go to a Counting Lights post. I see it. Oh, and then, no, I did right there. Okay, you do, so you do know how to retweet. You that, guys, you don't have no right idea. There. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. So... When you want to retweet something, okay, you want to heart it, retweet, okay. and then that's to that's to I don't say something, whatever. Okay. I, I don't get it. Jesus, <laughs> I don't get it. Heart it. Oh, that's. I, how, why am I? Why am I retweeting my own? Give well, up? no, you don't have to retweet okay. that right. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, my God. Uh, November fourteenth at Oak Islandsbury. It's weird. My dad knows more about you doing in, in technology, and he's like he's close to seventy. Well, you know, and I wish he didn't. <laughs> I wish he didn't. I'm lucky. I got an 85 year old dad, and he didn't want anything to do with it. I can imagine what he'd do if he could get online and talk to people. Oh God, no, that's what my dad does. Yeah, he just gets online, talks shit. I don't know who taught him how to do it. I guess he. Well, he, sometimes it's in the DNA, dude. He's well versed. He was—I guess—he's just been well versed in technology. He had a radio and television degree, and he's just been well versed in technology and shit. But I wish he wasn't. But anyway, that's a different story. That's that's for another podcast. <laughs> so, uh, so this uh, this this weekend. Uh, so we're recording this on the seventh. Mm-hmm. So tonight is some sort of big pay per view or something, right? Yeah, this is AEW Full Gear. John Moxley will be defending his world title against Eddie Kingston. So I saw a little, I happened to be flipping the stations last night. Mm-hmm. It's been uh, drinking some beer. and Because uh, the ongoing thing for Counting Lights is I'm trying to get Chris into AEW. So, so we I bring happened, up AEW. So I happened to be uh, uh, flipping through and saw and clicked on it and saw uh, two interviews. And I guess they were probably 
pushing the the pay per view for tonight. Mm-hmm. And it was John, so. This was last night. Last night. Yeah. So that was their little yeah. So John hype show. Mom, John Moxley and what's the duty? Who's the duty? Eddie here? Kingston. Okay, so I gotta say something. Like, uh, go ahead. I see. I don't know how old Eddie Kingston is. I don't know how long he's been in the business. Probably mid thirties. I would say early thirties. Yeah. So, and I'm thinking probably the Moxley's probably around there. That yeah, Moxley's age, around right? that age. They actually they've known each other. Uh, so they, they they were for in seventeen the years. They were in independence, the together independence together at CCW. And I gotta say, you know, like. Uh, Combat zone. What's his name again? Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston. So I got to say, I look at him and he looks like a guy from the north, the northeast. Mm-hmm. He probably is, probably New York and New Jersey. Yeah, New York. And uh, looks like a tough guy. Mm-hmm. Like I got to say, I, I don't want to be alone with him. Like, uh, no, I like it. That's <laughs> like, he looks like the kind of guy that, uh, like, probably we would have got along. You okay. know what I'm saying? Like, he's, and he, and, he, and, I, and I could feel the heel gimmick. And I believe it a little bit. I mean, at least AWA, AWE, AEW, I'm sorry, AEW. <laughs> AWE, that one more, ball. One more roller line here. <laughs> so AEW, at least they are allowing these guys to come up with their own interviews. Yeah, they do. Right. Like the WWE pop- only lets certain people, like they let Bray Wyatt do his thing and stuff, but AEW, yeah, everybody. Well, everybody I know, does their but, own thing. You know, even though. They're coming up with their own things. You know, guys like you just mentioned, I, I feel when I see an interview as if that it's been written down and approved. Yeah. Well, you know I mean, what I'm saying? You know, you don't want somebody going out there and off the top of their head. No, but up, that's you know. what you want, bro. That's where you get emotion. Okay, are you get, are you going to maybe have to do two takes? Are you maybe have to do three takes? Are you going to maybe have to do four takes? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But guess what? It's coming out of his mouth. It's coming out of his mind. It's coming. It's not the way it was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. When they stuck a microphone in your hand, in your face and, and you they, just and you just went. Mhm. So what, I, I always enjoy watching uh, footage of New Jack during, uh, was it Mid-South? No, 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 when he was in Jim Cornette's. Smoky Mountain. Smoky Mountain, when he's in Smoky Mountain, and Jim Cornette would just let New Jack say anything. That's what they did with everybody. Oh. They did with everybody. They said, okay, we're going to be in Knoxville on, the, on this date, mm-hmm. and this is what we're doing. Go. Yeah. And they would fucking turn the camera on. And you mentioned takes. One of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Have you seen some of the bloopers online? No. I, oh, no. I've seen, like, Psycho Sid bloopers. And, you know, Psycho Sid a lot. There's a lot of Psycho. There's an alarming amount of Psycho Sid bloopers. But uh, I was at a SmackDown. Okay. Um, and it was Heath Slater and Rhino versus somebody. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been the Headbangers. I'm not sure. The Headbangers came back for like a one-night appearance. Okay. Anyways. So they're doing like a post-interview for WWE.com. And I think Rhino, someone had gotten busted open, and Heath Ledger, or Heath Ledger, Heath Slater and <laughs> Rhino, that would have been a twist if Heath Ledger showed up. Uh, they're, they got some blood on them, so they do the promo for WWE.com. Mm-hmm. And then... There's still a commercial. They announced that they have to do it again, and the crowd was just like, what? And then booed when they realized it was because of the blood. And so they did the exact same promo 
while they had the when they got the blood wiped off of them, and like the crowd didn't give any reaction because we had just seen it. Right, and they didn't then give a shit. Yeah, we didn't give it, and it was just like it was one of the weirdest things I'd ever seen. And I, I've been to a couple of WrestleManias and a couple of Raws and SmackDowns before this. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen this before, and this was one of those really I've guys seen it happen. Yeah, but it usually was for like 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 you said, like a continuity reason. Yeah, you know. Um, and I've I've stood in the back and watched guys do interviews. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, what's the what's the funniest fuck up? No, like, no, no it's, not, gonna... it's not, like, there's nothing really sticks out in my head, mm-hmm. but it got to the, it get, like, when you would do interviews, it was usually used to. Mm-hmm. You would show up on a certain day of the week for WWF, and you would do your interviews on that day in a studio so that you could take, if you needed multiple takes, you'd take multiple takes. The, the ones that were funny and enjoyable was when you were at an arena and they were doing interviews with a correspondent like uh, before a match or whatever because now the clock is ticking. Mm-hmm. You're timed. Yeah. yeah now, well, no, now you're fucking, you got to go from the, doing this interview to go to a gorilla position. Mm-hmm. And you and you got to fucking be out there. Like we can't have too much downtime in front of this crowd, and yeah. we're gonna start getting restless. And guys would lose their fucking shit. And the boys that were standing around in the back <laughs> when a guy was losing his shit, yeah, that's the fun part because that guy's losing his shit, and we we think it's fucking hilarious because now the clock is still ticking. And you're more nervous. Yeah, yeah. And now, not only are you nervous, we think it's funny, so we're fucking with you. Yeah. I don't think that goes down today. I think you were in probably the, not. You were in a more relaxed locker room. Now it's like I think people and there were guys would get that, in trouble. You know, now. I mean, in the in the old days when you would go to a studio and do it, I know stories of guys that would stand there and watch dudes do interviews and pull their pants down or. You know, pull their pecker out so of the like shorts. So, like, right behind the camera while yes, the guy's doing yes, the... Jesus. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's fucking all about the rib, man. Yeah. You got you to fucking kill that boredom somehow. The most notable uh, mess-up blooper is Booker T. Oh. We can't even say what he said. When he says... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When word. he drops the M-bomb. Yeah, right. And then you see the immediate regret and in his face. Like, <sighs> But you so go and watch some of like you know Tracy Smothers. Smothers just passed away. Yeah, let's go watch some of the bloopers of Tracy Smothers because he was passionate about the business mm-hmm. and he would kill it on an interview and then say Pecker or I'm gonna fuck you up or yeah, yeah. something at the end of the interview. <laughs> fuck the whole fucking interview up, you know. I like that. I like that type of shit where they're just like so yeah, into like, it. Yeah, you just like it. that's the way it was because nobody was writing the shit for you. Well, I mean, that's what you can say about Booker T. Booker T was just really into exactly. it and trying to sell it. Sensational Sherry, though, you could tell she was just about to laugh her ass off. And he's the only one. Like they're like he he to Stevie this day Ray hates and it. her are laughing their ass off, and he is fucking mortified. 
Mm-hmm. He knows he has ruined this interview. I've heard him say that that's one of his biggest regrets. Like he still regrets it, and he shouldn't because it's it's everybody fucks up. Everybody does. Everybody, everybody does. Fucks up. And on on stage with comedy, we all fuck up. Yes, and you stand there and like literally, you're like. Now all of a sudden it goes from. You remember people. Michael Richards? That oh my god! Once again, people like, don't know the context. Well, here's of, the deal with Michael Richards. He was an improv actor. Mm-hmm. Was on Second City. Yeah. Did Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. And then Seinfeld went away. Yeah. And he had to find something to do. He'd, he'd never done stand up before, mm-hmm. I don't believe. No, yeah. I mean, and he'd I, been doing it for a couple years at that point. No, yeah, but you know handful, how it is, bro. Small handful of years. How difficult is it as a person that nobody knows mm-hmm. to be two years into the business and figuring out stand-up comedy? Yeah, I would. I would hate to be in that position. Or on the other hand, being somebody famous, I would hate to be in that the famous position. People are actually fucking coming to see. Because they found out you're at this comedy club and you're trying to work out your material. Oh, I've seen, I mean, I've worked with people. That is tough, bro. I've worked with people that are super Because they expect more out of you. Oh, they do. You're famous. You're a fucking TV character. So I'm not going to name the person. Not going to name them. Because I do have respect for them. And this is kind of embarrassing. I like it when they do this, like on podcasts or radio, when they go, oh, but you're going to tell me afterwards who it is, right? I'm going to tell you afterwards, yeah. Okay. Um, so this person was like this famous TV. I will say, been, been on VH1, MTV, okay. what have you. And uh, hadn't been doing stand-up that long. I'm booked to uh, open for him. Feature Act is kind of doing his own thing. Yeah. I love feature acts that don't give a shit. <laughs> they I don't, don't, I don't, like. I hope to be a feature act that doesn't give a shit well, someday. I, I don't know what it. I mean, I'm I've been a feature act before, and I featured for famous people, and I get the whole don't give a shit. But when you're an opener, and I was I was, I was a young opener, so I like I gave a shit. Okay. <laughs> I was like, this is my moment. Right. <laughs> I'm going to make a huge impression. And uh, so we're in the green room, and he's this the headliner is a fucking mess. Doesn't know what to do. Uh, apparently, like, he had lost, like, his notebook or something that uh, had this big, elaborate skit which, in and, it. And with people that don't know, if you're a comic yeah, and you use a notebook... Nothing wrong with using a notebook. No, but I'm, this is the point. But it's if you it's what's use in the notebook. A, like, I don't use a notebook because I can't read my own writing. Yeah. I use my phone. I record on the notes app on my phone. Mm-hmm. So when I write something, I can use the verbal text, mm-hmm. or I can actually write it down, and if I misspell something, I can get it corrected. See, so, what, what I do, my brain is just a Rolodex. I've been able to have three different sets in my head and then just retort. Like it's nothing. I've been hitting the head, bro. I, I'm not saying yeah, I'm not. Just, I'm like, not I, saying. Well, you, on top of that, I'm a dumbass too. <laughs> I'm not telling you to do it. So anyway, <laughs> this guy uh, he had left his note, but but it wasn't a bit. It was a skit. Okay. So he had like uh like and a, if you a certain sound cue. Yeah, and it was new. So he's just but it was, that's like losing your penis. And in the meantime, the club is bringing in people to the back area, to the green room, to meet him, because they're like high rollers at the club. And uh, and it's just making him more nervous, because like half of his act, he doesn't, 
He doesn't have his notebook. He doesn't have it memorized. He doesn't have his notebook. And just to see the misery as an opener. You can't have a friendly conversation with a headliner that you want to have a friendly conversation with. You can't network when this dude is absolutely miserable and a nervous wreck. his mind. Oh, and to be in that mindset and go up on stage. um, Now, I've heard stories of people in this position just leaving. Um, Dustin Diamond, <laughs> Dustin Diamond being one of them. Oh, he did? Oh, Sl- Slade Ham's got a great story on Dustin Diamond. Oh, I want to hear that. It's in his book. I'll give you the, br- well, I'll, I'll let me finish this and I'll, I'll give you the breakdown. on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. He doesn't watch wrestling, but uh, I will bring him in just for the Dustin Diamond story. Um, but it's in his book. So, so this guy goes up on stage. First part of the set is great, and then the last part is just kind of wanes. But I respected him because he went up on stage and he did it anyway. He right. gave people what they wanted to see. Nobody walked out disappointed, but just to see that. Now, the Dustin Diamond thing. That was just to break it down. So if the, for people who don't know, to explain who Dustin Diamond is. Screech from Saved by the Bell. He's supposed to be a pretty big asshole. <sighs> I've never had a personal experience with him, but there used to be a website called I Hate Screech, and it was nothing. It was nothing. It was all the people from Say by the Bell? No, it was every comic that had worked with oh, him no that had had a bad experience. So he, okay, I'm not going to do this story any justice, but Slade, I think, goes to Florida or so, somewhere to, to feature for Dustin Diamond. Dustin and his wife are immediately confrontational after the first show. Okay. Um, Slade goes up, does his thing. Dustin, not a comic, uh, goes up, does bullshit material. But then something happens to the effect of uh, Dustin's wife accuses Slade of stealing jokes. Slade goes, no. Uh, Dustin Diamond... Slade does have a good line. Dustin Diamond calling me a joke thief is like Elton John telling me I suck cock. So Slade says that I think they might do another show. Actually, I don't know if another show happens. Dustin just leaves because the club won't fire Slade. Okay. So Dustin just took his ball, went home. Okay. That's a direct quote from Slade. So Slade had to finish out the whole entire weekend. And it always had to start with like a little disclaimer. Uh, about what happened to Dustin. Though. Yeah, and I think that the story actually ends. The story actually ends with Slade explaining to the crowd what happened. And Slade goes, yeah, he was embarrassed, and he left. And an audience member goes, you're fucking full of shit. He's like, what do you think I'm full of shit about? He goes, you're saying he's embarrassed. I was like, well, yeah, he's embarrassed. Nah, he's not embarrassed, because fucking eight years of Saved by the Bell didn't embarrass him. <laughs> <laughs> or the, por- uh, the porn he recorded to save his house. Oh, my God. I mean, I've never, I've never had a personal experience with that guy, but I've heard enough to where I know, like, listen, there's I don't a lot of work people. With them. I, listen, as a guy who's been only a few years in comedy, and comedy is very important to me. Yeah, and I love being on stage, and I want to be on stage more. I do not insult other comics, mm. and oh, I, I do comedy. And I, and, <laughs> but, but I have no qualms on insulting fucking Dustin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, I I know some people probably have some like negative things about me working with me, not headliners, but openers. Right. Like I can be very uh, like I want all the sh- I want the whole show to be good. We're there. Right. We're doing a job. You know, the audience paid hard earned money to see. And sometimes I can be a militant dick, but that's just how I was brought gotcha. up. 
into comedy. Like a very militant. Like don't run the light. Don't run the don't light. Be it. Don't, don't. Don't tell these kind of jokes when you're opening. Don't you know? Don't be dirty when have you're some, an opener. Have don't some be. fucking energy. Don't say the c word. I'm gonna. I mean, say it. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but but one of my big one of my big criticisms is that I don't see a lot of energy out of openers nowadays. Gotcha. And it's that that monotone. Hey guys, welcome. We're fucking got comment cards. No, that's on not the your table. job as an opener. Your your job as an opener is to constantly have that crowd fucking clapping. Be a fucking like, showman. To be an energy like. Well, I'm not that type of guy. You gotta well, then don't be a fucking opener. You gotta break outside of your comfort zone if you're gonna make it in comedy. Not just make it. If you're gonna work, you gotta break out of that. When you're a feature and a headliner. Fucking go nuts. Be as monotone right. as you want to, but you got to show some enthusiasm. But as a host, yeah, you got to keep the energy up on that crowd. And, and in between, like, okay, you get them up, keep them high. Yeah, tell your jokes, be funny, get them high again, and keep it going for the next comic. Mm-hmm. And then when you come up to take the mic from him, keep that energy going. And get that headliner. On. I mean, well, imagine if you went to a wrestling match and the first match, which is called they did, the curtain jerk, they the just, curtain they jerk, they grabbed a hold. Imagine if they were just the, and yeah, laid on the ground like fucking sloths wrestling. Right, it wouldn't get anybody no. pumped at all. No, you have to get out of your comfort zone, and you got to be a fucking showman. Right. And if you're working with me and you're not being a fucking showman, whether I'm headliner or feature, I'm going to call you out on your bullshit. Right. So I'm sure some people would be like, oh, fucking Danzy got on my ass, fucking asshole, blah, 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 thinks he's so great. No, I don't think I'm great at all. I want the fucking show to be great. Right. You know, I get a hard time because I'm, I know I got to like chill out sometimes, but like one of those, it's one of those things where it's just like people I, have paid for this. <laughs> I, well, I'm, I'm, like I, I expect you to, for this to be as important to you as it is to me. Exactly. Exactly. And the same thing with the wrestling business. This isn't a fucking hobby. Like if I'm gonna go out there, <laughs> if I'm gonna go and do this, I'm either gonna do it right mm-hmm. or I'm not gonna fucking do it at all. Yeah. I'll go do something else. Like either do it right or don't do it at all. As more time has, has passed, I've kind of been like more forgiving about it and just like, okay, fucking this guy's this way. I'm just gonna right. go up well, and, and fucking Pull my dick out. Some people <laughs> <laughs> just gonna whip my fucking since we're here. Fuck it. At this point, oh, I pay for that one. I'm man. just, I'm just gonna be a fucking showman. I don't know. Feature. I was there, and Dan Danzy just walked up on stage, pulled his dick out, just fucking opening. It killed opening joke. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> couple people fucking pulled out magnifying glasses. <laughs> Dan pulled his dick out, and he had gray hair on it. I, it's. You know how how funny it is that people just know that without actually knowing. <laughs> people can just assume correctly. Oh, some people fucking, can pull it off, and some people can't. I fucking hate hereditary bullshit that I've gotten, but it's whatever. I've had it since eight years old. There's nothing I can. No do. shit. You yeah, had since, gray eight hair since eight years old. Yeah, it was like you have like, like a skunk streak or what? No, when I was eight, it was just in little. Like in individual gray hairs, you know. Jesus you ever Christ. seen a black cat with like individual yeah. gray hair? That's what it looked like. Like just you know. And then over the years, it just kind of because my mom had my mom had full gray hair when she was eighteen. My grandfather had full gray hair when he yeah, was. it's hereditary. Like I know people that have premature gray hair, mm-hmm. and it's uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not gonna get technical. I'm not a fucking scientist. But if I'm not mistaken, you about to say some outlandish I shit. Sure am. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> 
it's it's the uh, it's the uh, it's like the peroxide level in your fucking bloodstream or something like that. Like there's something that your body produces that makes that happen. Probably, <laughs> I don't know. That's that's actually not outlandish. So that's if you like actually know the that, most would science- you please write into uh, Counting, Counting Lights, Lights podcast, podcast at Gmail. That's actually the most scientific shit I've ever heard about it. Was, I've never heard that before. Yeah, a lot of people are like, "Yeah, you stressed out," and I am stressed out a lot because I put a lot of pressure on myself with anything that I do. Right. You know, not so, with this podcast. Except this podcast. Well, no, because this podcast is just <laughs> fun. Just We're you. just having fucking fun. You know. Right. But like at the beginning, I was just like, "Man, I don't really want to edit or produce or anything." Well, and we I'm had glad a, you have you done. We had a job. third. Well, thank you. We had a third guy, but he's so busy. So it was just like, okay, well, I'll do it, I mean, whatever. But we, it's been so easy because we have a good fucking time here. Yeah, man. And we talk about what we what we love talking and about. And listen, I'll, I'll say this. The pictures that you've done for the guests that we've had on. Oh, stop great, it. bro. Stop yeah. it. So. If you if you realize now, how now easy Dan that was. Now Dan and I are just going to sit here and jack each other off. You know, I've always loved your wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> the way you job. <laughs> oh, come on, man. <laughs> I just showed you a great match. Oh, uh, that, but I did do the job on that match. You fucking I? lost to Draws and Albert in the greatest way. You lost to a man with a piercing on his dick. I'm I did not see the piercing on his dick. <laughs> no, I don't actually know if Albert even had that. But Next subject. Next subject? No. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, anyway. So, so listen, if, if anybody anybody has, has a suggestion... Uh, who you'd like to have the podcast, or if you are a uh, uh, somebody in the wrestling business or the comedy business that's a wrestling fan, yeah, all these downloads and no one emails. I don't know, be man. shy. What the fuck? Don't be shy. Where's our P ones, man? I don't know what that means, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> is that that's, some Navy term? Yeah, no, that's the it's uh, it's a radio term. Oh, it's a radio. It's like term. your biggest fans. Who okay, are your biggest fans. Like okay. your P ones. Your your top of the, I don't know where it comes from. Top Fuck of the, <laughs> they I, just, heard, I heard somebody else say. I heard somebody else say, and I thought yeah, it was just cool. Just like my spots in wrestling, I steal everything <laughs> I fucking say. Now, I mean, we can keep talking about comedy, but I'm going to pop off the mouth with some shit I shouldn't say. And then probably. Oh, I, under, I understand that. I mean. It's so hard to hold, hold shit in sometimes. Oh. It really, like, sometimes you just want to. It's frustrating. Well, I say it to you, but I say it off mic. Yeah. So I heard somebody was running around with a Rodney Dangerfield joke. Oh, really? Yeah, I heard that earlier this week. I'm not gonna it name them. It wasn't me, was it? No, I'm not gonna name them. I want to name them. If I did the right voice, hey, let me tell you. Hey. I want to name them, but like I've stopped doing it, and I really don't care. But when I hear shit like that, I'm just like, come man, on. Man, I hear some old jokes sometimes, man. And I'm like, man, I really wish I'd fucking thought of that. Like old fucking like Red Fox. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like stuff that really would work nowadays if you said it properly, and you go, fuck, that's you know, that's being wasted now because he's fucking dead and somebody. We, uh, but you just like you can't. We used to have. It's a, not yours if you don't write it. You can't fucking do it. We used to have a dude up at Comedy Texas years ago, 15 years ago. His name was Stroker. I'll always remember Stroker because every fucking week at the open mic he would go up and just do Red Fox material. It was very clear it was Red Fox material. And then like I followed him one night and I was like, thanks Stroker, I miss Red Fox. And we all just fucking the crowd. Oh, that's great. 
but then I felt bad because the the dude never asked for weekend spots. Huh. The dude never like pursued the road or anything. He just liked coming up to the old mic gotcha. and telling Red Fox jokes. Right. And I felt like I kind of like ruined that eh, for him. Not a really. Bit. If he knows he's fucking telling it, he knows you know you're telling it. Then if you fucking rib him a little bit, listen, the, we only rib the people we love, right? The, the fucking most bullshit response ever that I've got when I've called someone out on stealing material. Well, it's an homage. Get the fuck out yeah, of here. That's a cop out. <laughs> just, you go fucking do theater, you, you no hack shit. son of a bitch. Oh no shit. It's an oh my. Anyway, I heard somebody was doing a, a Rodney Dangerfield joke. You're going to tell me off mic, right? I'm going to tell you off mic. Because, like, I don't want to. Hey, listen, if you want to know who told the Rodney Dangerfield this week, uh, joke this week, just email Dan. Email us at, email email us at, at County, County Podcast. Podcast. Somebody's got to fucking email us, would you please? But it's. The reason I'm not saying the person's name is because everybody makes mistakes and shit. And though I've never stolen jokes, everybody's probably got a fucking story about me. Right. And they could do it in retaliation or whatever. Right, right, right. You know, drinking Danzy did a fucking shitload of shit. <laughs> Just, I set I shit on. I a little bit of it. Bro, I was a fire starter, dude. I was just like, oh, someone. More than you are now? I would get banned for shit I would say to people in conversation. <laughs> <laughs> someone you know, pissed me off? If you don't know, oh. like, like some of these club owners like banning people. And I can't imagine you getting banned. Fucking Randy. Randy. Now, I can't share this story. Randy got a text at three in the fucking morning from just a comic that was a friend of his that said, ban Dan Danzy. I have no idea what I did. <laughs> no, I I think I know what. You were drunk enough to not remember. Oh, I was. Oh, man. No, I was. So what happens when I get drunk? I'm a, I'm a fun guy. Right for a minute. No, no. I mean, I'm fun. You know, I. If or you both, think you're fun? No, I am. I am. <laughs> I'm a fun guy when I get. I, I was a real fun guy. You know, if the bar had a jukebox or something, <laughs> Kenny Loggins, <laughs> Footloose, Let's oh my Dance. God, bro. Don't you give that song shit? It's one of the most fun songs I'll ever. Say, I'll say when I was in junior high school. When I was in junior high school, probably <laughs> seventh grade, and Footloose was out. And, like, literally the entire time it was in the theaters, we went and saw that movie every fucking Friday night. Because like Literally, I've probably seen Footloose in the theater it's amazing. 20 fucking times. It's amazing. And it's just because of that fucking and Kenny I mean, Loggins song. I mean, I mean the, the good one with f- fucking Kevin Bacon. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, yeah, and teaching the, the Penn brother how to <laughs> dance and shit. It's great. It's a fucking wonderful movie. Um, but the minute someone... I'm going to say someone else, because I also had, had an ego, uh, a, a totally uncalled for ego, but with someone else had an ego, and they said the wrong thing, right. ooh, my words were venom. Venomous enough to just be like, Randy, you need <laughs> to ban this motherfucker. Dan's an asshole, just ban him. Yeah, whatever. And the reputation follows you, but I was able to change the ending of the story as I got sober in the past five years. And, oh, he's actually a really good comic. He's still kind of an asshole, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know. I, I, sent you, I sent you the card that I'm on uh, the ter- 13th of November for... Uh, is that what you call shows? The card? Is that what Are it, you calling comedy it, shows it, the card? What is it called? It's the, just the lineup. Okay. Well, uh, Are you planning on hitting someone with a fucking? I mean, there's a, there's a. Card. Oh, you're with uh, you're with Derek Jack. Yeah. 
Yeah, Derek Jack's great. Derek Jack, COVID nineteen safe. Uh, you're in the red room, November thirteenth. So that since this episode's airing on the thirteenth, it is tonight. Uh, doors open at nine p.m. Show starts at ten. Tickets are ten dollars. Yeah, man. If I wasn't uh, compromised, I would. Uh, I would fucking go to that. I enjoy the hyenas red room. It's a really chill. So I'm going to send you some pictures so we can do uh, our wrestler of the week. Let's do our Dan might uh, Dan might have a clue. Let's do that. Okay. Let's do that, and I will tell this you. This might be a gimme. I don't know. Okay. This might be pretty easy. So, uh, so this particular wrestler is um, had a very successful career. Oh, why do you always give me pictures of the people like before they hit? They're famous, yeah. Because I'm trying to I'm trying to make it suspenseful. All right, there's another picture right here. So this this individual was had a very successful. Which one is he right here? So he the is one in the middle. Hold on, uh, he had a yeah the one in the middle. Oh, so he had a very successful tag team with his brother Brett. Oh, savage! It is not Owen. Everybody is not. Yeah, there you go. Um, he had a. He was also in a very successful tag team. It was one of the last people to win the world class title with uh, his partner, a very good friend of mine who has passed on now, uh, uh, Mr. Matt Boren, and they were managed by Percy oh, Pringle the Third. Fuck yeah, that is Percy right there. And uh, he, is, he is known for not being a very nice person in the wrestling business. All right. Well, you got to tell me some stories. I know they're not going to be hints. I have no idea who this is. So, Wait. No. You know what? Tell me the stories. I might know. So this individual uh, is known for. Now, this won't get you any heat. No, for, okay. Oh, no. He's dead. Um, the so one, the guy you're showing another me. another picture of him right there. The guy you're showing me is, yeah. is passed on. Yes. Him. He is. Uh, he was a very uh, uh, crash in, a crass individual. He was at a very short temper. He was um, not very tall. He was. You just sound like you're describing me right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me uh, kind of look up his uh, little information that I wrote down here. I kind of uh, missed the was, forty pages of was, I am. He was, he was, he was five nine and weighed in at two hundred and forty two pounds. Um, he was uh, at a tag team with his brother Brett. He was a um, he actually what the, was one of the first individuals that uh, Magnum TA approached to get him in the wrestling business. And this and this person um, asked for ten thousand dollars, which Magnum gave him. Yeah, and then he didn't. And then he didn't do anything. That's a fucking dick move. So um, I know some of the people that are listening uh, probably know he's uh, yeah, yeah. originally from St. Peter's, Florida. Um, he is he held, held an, an incredible number of titles and but uh, ended up dying at the age of thirty three. Jeez, that's young. Yeah, he was very young. That's my age. And uh, it's probably a little bit of uh, that. He was wound up like a top. They called him the Mad Dog. Oh shit! And worked in uh, worked in Jim Crockett Promotions yeah. and Georgia Championship Wrestling, and uh, had a feud with the Road Warriors. And who was he? I can't. Uh, I can't had a huge feud with uh, Wildfire Tommy Rich. Um, they called Tommy Rich. Yeah. So one of the greatest matches they called was the Last Battle for Atlanta. Um, 
He had matches with uh, guys like Shawn Michaels. He had a short stint in the WWF in 84. What was, oh, 84, fuck. Um, where he was, let's see, who did he manage? He 84 was, is before, way before. Who was he managed by in the WWE? Oh, I think he was managed by Lou Albano, the WWF in 84. But they so called him the Mad Dog. It's not, um, it's not Don Morocco. Nope. No. Oh, well, I'm a big fan of Don Morocco. I mean, you said Lou Albano. No, because Don Morocco was a big guy. He was 6'3-ish. Yeah. Right, who, who is he? Because I, I Mad, dog, Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. That, see that name? The Mad Dog part was familiar. Mad Dog um, Buzz Sawyer. So he was a so Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer was a fuck was a dickhole like was a uh, it was not a very nice guy. It tended to be a guy who would maybe uh, other than screwing Magnum pick, over ten grand, you know, pick pick fights for no reason. Yeah. And obviously at thirty three, he probably dabbled in. You think that's a steroid thing? No, I think it was probably more. Uh, I think maybe his temper might have been because you, you can yeah. see some of the pictures there. He's in pretty good condition. Um, I like to give everybody the benefit of the yeah, doubt. Yeah, like you know, but, listen. Yeah. In, in my in my era and the years before me, if you didn't do steroids, mm-hmm. did you ever? Of course. Hey, you can just freely admit well, that. It doesn't bother me, man. No, I think it's kind of stupid. I always thought that was stupid. Hell, I'm on them right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, he died of a drug overdose. Oh, well, that's so, um, terrible. Uh, Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. Always... And uh, so um, so the story about Magnum TA, what was another story I was going to tell? I always thought the uh, steroid scandal in wrestling was kind of redundant. That's like having a, a that's like a, a, a worrying about steroids and bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it probably has to do um, with... Well, it's a performance-enhancing drug, right? Right. What are you doing out there? Performing. A performance. Would right. you get on to an actor on a TV show for having acting classes oh, they while they're it, on a right. fucking TV they show? Do it, you know, they do it too. So. I mean, I just... I always thought that was... Uh, I always thought that was like the media's way... Of trying to bury wrestling because wrestling had the uh, the high ratings and wrestling was so popular and they didn't want wrestling to be popular. Right. I always thought that was ridiculous. Now cocaine, all the other shit. Now <laughs> I get it. So, I get uh, it with that. So how many is that in a row, Dan? That uh, you haven't been able to guess. No. Okay. Hey, I didn't know we were keeping fucking tally here. <laughs> I thought the point was to educate me, not demean me. Listen, so we've called this game like Dan doesn't have a clue or Dan may have a clue or like if you have another name for uh, this game that we play with Dan. I don't want to play the game if we're keeping fucking score over here. Would you please, please write us at uh, countinglastpodcast at gmail.com. First of all, uh, uh, the the Sputnik guy. Sputnik McRoe? Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful Great. human being. Great. Then Terrific. you're gonna give me old asshole Buzz no, here. Well, I got to you know. I mean, you know, fucking. Oh, he fucking screwed this guy. This guy was uh, a big part of the civil rights movement. Here, this fucking guy <laughs> he stole ten thousand dollars from Magnum. Stole PA. ten thousand dollars and was kind of a dickhole. Well, you know, they come in all shapes <laughs> and sizes, folks. I just thought we were going to do like really inspirational people in this no. segment. No, you're giving me well, those. Listen, <laughs> those come few and far between in the wrestling business. Not really. Well, of course. Who's the biggest asshole you've ever met? 
Oh, oh, name them. No, I don't name like, really, Nobody comes to mind immediately. Bullshit. But I probably, no, it really doesn't. <laughs> um, I mean, everybody was pretty good to me. I mean, there's assholes in the business when you're wrestling them, like they won't, they don't want to give you nothing and you got to take it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's plenty of those out there. Come on, there wasn't one guy that was just a that fucking really dick. fucking no, that really stuck in my craw. Of course, you're was, you're like a big dude, so I wouldn't uh, piss you off. No, but uh, you know, I mean, fucking, there's tough dudes in the wrestling business everywhere, and yeah, yeah. and some guys did like the, I had guys that didn't want to, you know, they would get the finish and then want to call the entire match as a. You know they're on top the whole the whole way, and you just got to get out there and take it from them. Mm. You know you got to get go bullshit. You know, I mean, I had uh, I've had matches where, you know, the like I've had matches in WWF where the, you know like uh, you're supposed to do certain things and these guys don't do it, and mm-hmm. then you got and then and that's what happened with Ambrose and Lesnar at and WrestleMania, you, and then you go uh, uh, and then the. Uh, and then the ref goes, hey, man, we got to go home. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, they want to pin you. And I'm like, well, fuck you. I'm get my shit in. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? I don't care if we go over two, three minutes. Fuck mm-hmm. you. I'm getting my shit in. Come get me. Yeah. I'll go. I've I've been known to, this was a, you know, my partner, Kit Carson, which I got to say something about Kit. Kit's had some health issues. He's in the, he's been in the hospital, and we want to wish him well. Absolutely, so uh, he's got to come and tell that story about Mula and May. Oh, okay, That's, yeah, yeah, he's got to come explain. Did you see his what reasoning. he said on the what he what? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He said he's it like almost worked, almost worked too. Worked too. <laughs> like he had no regrets. No, he had no regrets. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I've had like Kit was an all state. Uh, Hall State wrestler, mm-hmm. and like so, he showed me moves. Like you know, you always have have to have things in your back pocket as a pro wrestler that things that you know are going to work at any time. Shooter moves or hooker moves that you can pull out in the. You know. I have plenty of X's with hooker moves. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I've had guys that like one that they thought they're going to be tough guys, and, and you know, and they're beating the shit out of you. And I would find the farthest corner away from us and stick my ass in that corner so they would have to come over to pick me up. And when you're walking over to someone, there's a point where all your weight is going from one foot to your, from your back foot to your front foot. Mm -hmm. And I would hook the heel and I would run my shoulder into their knee. Jesus. It's called a knee freeze. Yeah. Kit taught it to me. And we call it, it's called Nephi. So at that point where they're changing their weight from all their weight from the back foot to the front foot, and you put your hand on the back of their heel and run your shoulder into their knee, and it freezes them. Mm-hmm. They can't go anywhere. There's two things they can do. They can fall backwards, or they can dislocate that knee. Jesus. So you want to stop somebody, I would find the farthest corner, and I'd knee freeze the fuck out of them, dude. And they would fall like a tree. You know, but if they have a gun, so then it's over. Well, this usually doesn't happen in the outside. Uh, in the, the ring, ring. yeah, the yeah, ring. yeah. But I'm saying, you know, you go over. Like, That'd be a hell of a gimmick. <laughs> yeah, somebody has a gun, gun. Out and they shoot, they shoot you in the back of the head. It's going to happen one day, folks. <laughs> Just wait and see. Oh, 
Well, I guess that wraps it up, bro. That does. Another good episode. Follow us on Twitter at counting underscore lights. Email us at countinglightspodcast at gmail.com. Be on the lookout for our Patreon account where subscribers will get perks. That's going to be fun. Get your tickets at Oka- for O'Connell's Burger. Oh, show. yeah, shit. We've got a show tomorrow. Oh, my God. I get. I just can't believe it. We have a, a live wrestling event tomorrow, the Brawl for It All, too. February 14th. What? February. I'm sorry. Did I say February? You did. Sorry. The fuck we got on February 14th, Chris? Oh, stop drinking. Yes. Jesus. <laughs> Chair shots. We should just. I'm sorry. November 14th. We should call this podcast Chair Shots and Booze. <laughs> what a, what November a, 14th, sells. which at the which with this episode airing, it is tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Uh, at Oak Highlands Brewery in Dallas. Get your tickets right now at Oak Highlands Brewery. Uh, Facebook and website on pre-Kindle. And don't forget to email us, countinglightspodcast at gmail.com. And email us, all these listeners, email us. We want we want to do an episode where we answer a bunch of answer questions from that email. Because so right? Chris is forgetting shit. It's in February <laughs> instead of November. Chris is forgetting dates, I'm just hoping names. For, I'm hoping for, for 2021. I think that's what it is. That is, you are correct on that. Okay. God, if you would have said something else, I would have been like, podcast over. Let's go to the hospital. (laughs) Early onset dementia. Chris is having a stroke. Jesus. Anyways, he's Chris Germany. And that's Dan Danzi. And this is Counting Lights Podcast, where comedy and wrestling lock up.